So that would probably be the, the number one thing that I would say. I want my grandkids to say about this crazy lady when she's gone, she loved God and she loved people. Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Cologne, Director of Spiritual Development for the Legacy Coalition. Our special guest today is Rhonda Stoppy, and we'll be talking with Rhonda in just a moment. But first, John, do you have any words of wisdom for us today? I think I do. Um, I was just thinking that you're not who you think you are, but what you think you are. And I was just thinking about identity theft today. The biggest thing is, you know, who are you? What are you? And of course, God's word is so clear on who we are in Christ and and how to think. I was just thinking of that Philippians 4 passage, you know, whatever things are pure and worthy of thinking about and lovely and true and honorable, you know, think about these things. And the peace of God will be passed on to you. But I just think, you know, what we think, we're not what we think we are, but what we think we are. I mean, he talks about put these things in your thinker in that passage there. Um, Think about the things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Those are words of wisdom. That's good stuff. All right. As I mentioned, uh, our special guest today is Rhonda Stoppy, who is going to be one of our breakout session speakers at the 2022 Legacy Grandparenting Summit in October. Rhonda is a a well-known speaker, author, and a grandmother of 15, who is known as the No Regrets Woman, because for more than 30 years, she's helped women build No Regrets Lives. Rhonda has written seven best-selling books, including Moms Raising Sons to Be Men and The Marriage Mentor. She's appeared numerous times on Focus on the Family, The 700 Club, and Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Rhonda and her pastor husband, Steve, have been married for 41 years, and they live on a ranch in Livermore, California. They have four adult children, and yes... 15 grandchildren. <laughs> John, that's even more grandkids than you have. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of grandkids to have running around. Well, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, Rhonda. We want to talk with you in a moment about uh, No Regrets Grandparenting, which is uh, kind of what you alerted us that, that you'd like to talk about. But first, we're going to ask you 10 questions that we call our Legacy grandparenting podcast poll and it's a quick way for us to just get acquainted so are you ready i'm ready okay uh first the best book you've ever read you know other than the bible hmm i i kind of think man there's so many uh (laughs) the one that i read once a year is called teaching to change lives by dr howard hendricks uh, that one's a close, the close second would be um, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. I love both of those. Um, teaching to Change Lives, I'm a teacher. And, you know, you don't want to just get up and present a entertaining speech or something that keeps their attention. You want to leave them with a point that the Lord will use to change their lives. And I'm the No Regrets Woman, my um, <laughs> trademark, No Regrets Woman. Because I help women break free from regrets that hold them back. And 
teaching to change lives. Hopefully the word of God will penetrate that woman who's stuck or who, before she makes regretful choices. So teaching to change lives by Dr. Howard Hendricks. And uh, Howie Hendricks taught to change lives, didn't he? He did. I mean, he changed Mm -hmm. a lot of lives. I mean, it seems like his name so often comes up, you know, on lists of uh, most influential people in, in, in our lives. I know, I don't know if you know the story. He shares this in the, in that book and I love it. He was a little kid in a neighborhood of a small startup church. And there was a man who went to the church and said, I want to start a sixth grade boys Sunday school class, but there were no sixth grade boys in the, in the church. So the, the staff said, if you can find sixth grade boys to teach, go for it. And this gentleman went into the neighborhoods and just took a bag of marbles and played marbles with the neighborhood boys. Gosh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Howard Hendricks was one of those little boys. Mm. Mm. Wow. This man just did what little he could do when the Lord put on his heart and he walked in obedience and he played marbles with Howard Hendricks, who has influenced pastors for generations as a, a teacher at Dallas Theological Seminary and through his books and even me through what I have read. Uh, man, did that one little thing that God calls us to do, it can influence generations. That's a great story. Today, it'd probably be playing video games or something, right? Instead of yeah. marbles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rhonda, a day in your life that you'd like to live over again, whether it was a, a great day or, or maybe a bad day. Of course, it couldn't be a bad day for you because you, you're no regrets woman, right? <laughs> so there are no bad days. <laughs> oh, or I have regrets. I just know to take them to Jesus. Yes. Uh, is it cheesy to say my wedding day? Because I married my high school sweetheart and I am crazy about that man. And <laughs> I would redo that day and not be worried about the flowers not being right and all of the, you know, the things that were distracting. I would have just really had more uh, taking it in and really enjoying the day instead of worrying about all the details. So do over. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, I've got a lot of those, those kind of days where you think, boy, if I only knew then what I knew now yeah, or what I know now, you know, just to, to be able to relive it more fully anyway your favorite song when you were in high school well i'm i'm i actually am gonna uh, i think i'm gonna say tiny dancer but i don't know if that would be the one there's some other ones that i don't really want to share so i'll say tiny dancer by elton john (laughs) was he singing back then yes he was back in the olden days in the 1900s No, I didn't mean it that way. No, <laughs> it's too late. You can't take that back. <laughs> okay, the best pizza is found where? That's a good question. Uh, okay, so my husband was in youth ministry for eighteen years, and anyone who's done that many years in youth ministry knows you eat a lot of pizza. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And when we planted a church in Lakeway near Austin, Texas. We fed our youth pizza every Wednesday night because they would come after cheer practice or football practice. Our, our youth ministry went from zero to 200 teenagers in one summer when we planted that church. And these kids were coming to Jesus. So if I can spiritualize the answer to that question, any pizza that is being eaten at a youth event that's bringing kids to Jesus, that's where I want to eat that pizza. My husband doesn't like pizza anymore because he's burnt out on it after all those years. <laughs> okay, so that, that, 
yeah, that's a good good answer to that question. So it's so not the, the most expensive or the best tasting, but it's just that it's food. The best pizza <laughs> is found where there's a bunch of people who need to know. Because if that's you good. feed them, they will come in yeah, the youth ministry. You that's know this. good. That's a nice <laughs> spin on that on that. Well, thank question. you. <laughs> a hobby or outside interest that you enjoy. Okay, I literally just like playing with my grandkids. We live on an 80-acre ranch in the middle of nowhere. And that story is crazy. In fact, in my book, Steve and I wrote a book together called The Marriage Mentor. And we talk about how we wanted to be debt-free and live in the country. And we ended up living in the middle of nowhere with no power off the grid. And we still have that house. Steve's added on to it. We have power now. Uh, but that, I cried tears because I moved there because it was Steve's dream. But now there's nowhere else I'd rather be than on this ranch playing with those 15 grandchildren and they ride quads and jump on trampolines and bottle feed a cow and it, collect eggs. It's just super fun. So is that would probably be my hobby. Sounds like fun. Someone who had a big influence on you. You mentioned Howard Hendricks, uh, but maybe there was someone else. Sure. Titus 2 calls the older women to teach the younger and when I got married and after I had a couple of kids, I knew I wasn't the wife that I wanted to be. I was overworked and underpaid and very tired and hormonal and I needed help. And I needed the women that were the moms of the youth that we were working with, whose marriages were healthy, whose kids wanted to be with them. I needed to learn from those women. So I became friends with a group of older women um, Gail and Molly and Joan are some of the three that come to my mind. And they just did life with us. They hung out with us. They played with us. We went camping with them. I watched them interact in marriages in a way that I didn't know how to interact and how to enjoy my husband. Uh, so yeah, they had a huge influence on my life. And I believe God calls the Titus two women to teach the younger not just from our successes, but I teach more passionately from my failures. And that's how these women, they were honest. They weren't, they weren't pretentious. They were genuine. And they had a huge influence on the wife and mom and woman that I became. Excellent. Uh, next question. Uh, how did you meet your husband? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And my dad had put us in a Christian school and Steve was away at college. He went to Denver Baptist Bible College and I was in junior high and he came home from school and was substituting at the Christian school that I went to. And his parents went to the church that that school was located at. And that's how I met him. But he's six and a half years older than I am. So he ran from me because I was dangerous. <laughs> I was like, she's too young. Stay away. And uh, I watched him date all the college girls because, you know, when a new guy comes into the college group at a church, it's fresh meat. So they get to date everybody. <laughs> but I was too young. So I watched from afar. Our families were friends. And as time went by, um, we were I got older, I guess. And um, we started dating and uh, we got married. And I married him when I was 20 years old. And we've been married 41 years. <laughs> Yeah, I like the way you say that. As time went by, I got older. Yeah. Uh, Amazing how that happened. Witness. Okay, next question. What do your grandkids call you? Uh, do they have a, like a pet name for you? Yeah, they call me Nana. When um, I was grandma, I have um, Karis, who's 12 years old. She called me grandma. 
And um, Kelsey called me grandma, who is going to be 12, or she just turned 12 last week. And then uh, we had a granddaughter named Ivy who was born with um, facial, facial cranial deformity. She has something called golden heart syndrome and she had a cleft lip and a cleft palate and she couldn't say grandma. She said Nana. So I became Nana and Ivy named me Nana for all the rest of the grandkids. So I'm Nana. Nana. Okay. That's, that's a good one. Um, anything left on your bucket list? Or do you have a bucket list? You know, things you mm -hmm. want to do or. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, our favorite place to go is Alaska. And we have gone, we take our motorcycle from California to Seattle, and then we catch a cruise ship to Alaska. Super fun. So if I could do it again, that's what I would do. We've done, we've done that three times. And I think if we could go again, that would be, we would love it. And we went twice without a balcony and once with a balcony. And now I, would only do it with a balcony because it's amazing to just sit there and drink your coffee and look at the scenery. So even though we've done it three times, that would be my bucket list to go again. Yeah. Well, those Alaskans, I've done, I've done one of those Alaskan cruises. You've done a few, John, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've done we did three of them, but uh, we, the balcony really wasn't as good in Alaska <laughs> with the temperatures as they were. I remember when the sun came out in one of the, uh, I think we were in Ketchikan and everyone closed their shops and laid in the sun <laughs> and it was like 60 degrees. <laughs> well, see, I don't like summer. And I mean, if you uh, live six years in Texas, it's mostly summer. And so in the Central Valley in California, uh, June, July, August are super hot. So the last three times that we've gone to Alaska, we went in August and I love the snow and the rain and the, I, I love it. So yeah. for me, the, oh. ba the balcony with a blanket and a cup of coffee, I'm good to go. <laughs> blanket. Yeah. Yes. Blanket. Okay. Do you have a Rhonda favorite Bible verse that is kind I of your think, verse? Yeah, there's two. One of them is a good reminder for me is Psalm 119, 165. And that says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them or nothing shall cause them to stumble is another translation. Uh, when I can be offended, when I can pick up an offense, uh, that's my litmus test that I'm not loving God's word enough. Whether it's offended because of my husband or as a pastor's wife, that person who didn't appreciate something my husband said or did, uh, there's always going to be people in our lives who can offend us, but, and it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when people say things that hurt, but if I can't break free from an offense, if I'm stuck there, if it turns into resentment or bitterness, I know that I'm not being washed with the water of the word. And that, I love that scripture. It's such a good reminder. Great. Well, now, now we know you a whole lot better. Okay. Well, let me, uh, before we get into, um, uh, the no regret stuff is uh, how do you keep track of 15 grandkids? Can you name them all right now? I can. Do you want me to? <laughs> it's a pop quiz. I can name with, them all. With birthdays. <laughs> okay. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. That is where this comes in handy. My little phone. I have every single birthday, oh. but here's the thing of most of the grandkids, their birthdays are November and December. Do you know wow. how expensive the holiday season is for us because of that? <laughs> yeah. And then my kids just got me for uh, my birthday. It's a little sign that says, this is us. And then underneath is January, February, March, the whole year. And you hang these little discs 
underneath each month and you write the name of the child and their birth date on so you can look at a glance and see that month's birthdays and it, it's been wonderful but yes i um i can keep track of them and you know it's funny i pray for them in the mornings and um some mornings i'm not i don't have the time to name them all by name and i'll pray for uh, our oldest son tony's kids and his wife and, and kayla and meredith and brandon's kids but sometimes I'll just stop and I'll pray for each one and think about what it is that makes them who they are. You know, that those character qualities, those things that make you smile, those things that make you go, Lord, you see that you need to train that out of them, help them grow in that. Uh, and uh, that that helps a lot. Just keeping track of praying for them by name. And my dad, who was just here right before I jumped on here with you guys, uh, my dad is how old is he? He's 81. Super sharp. Um, and he he and his wife pray for the great grandkids every morning by name. And they have 23 of them, I think. Wow. And they prayed. My dad was a prayer warrior for me. In fact, I um, in my book, Mom's Raising Sons to Be, and I talk about the importance of prayer. And I talk about as a child, as a teenager, getting up in the morning and I would smell coffee in the kitchen and I would walk through the where the living room was to the where the kitchen was and my dad would be on his knees at the couch and he would have gone running this was in the 70s so he was a runner in his little you know puma shorts and he'd go running he'd put on the coffee and he'd come back in and I'd see my dad on his knees praying for us and man, did that just bring peace and security and my dad was a new believer he got saved when I was four years old uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. And I believe that God did an amazing work in our family because of my father's prayers. And he's doing it through my dad's prayers now for the great grandkids. And I want to follow that legacy. That was a normal thing for me, too, with my dad, Rhonda. It is impacting. A great memory of seeing your dad praying for you and your, and your siblings on his knees. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and we sure. we talk a lot, you know, with the Legacy mm. Coalition about about you know thinking in terms of three or four generations down the road, how great it is when you can actually see that come to fruition, you know, which yeah. your father mm -hmm. um, is able to do. My dad was a teen dad. My parents were teenagers, and I was their second child. And uh, it's funny because my dad will say, as a teenage father. I thought it was just such an awful thing. And for years, he was almost embarrassed that he was such a young dad. But he said, what a gift at this age that he actually lives in the town. He moved to Patterson, where Steve's church, where my husband pastors, uh, he moved there about maybe 12 or 13 years ago. 13 of our 15 grandchildren live in Patterson. And my brother's kids also live in Patterson with their children. So my dad has 13, 15, 16 of his great grandchildren live in the town and he'll show up at their house, drop off donuts. I mean, it's just such a delight to see this season of his life to get to enjoy that. So yeah, there was, I think God, God knew he wanted us to get married young back in the day <laughs> so we could be around. So you, so you really don't need Wayne's book, long distance grandparents. Do you? <laughs> no, well, actually I do. I have my oldest son, Tony is a fighter pilot in the air force and they live in Hawaii and they have two children that live in Hawaii. So we do long distance grandparenting with those two. So yes, that's an excellent resource. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Rhonda, you're, you're known as, uh, as the no regrets woman. Tell us exactly how did that become 
your your trademark, your your nickname, so to speak. It's interesting because um, I, my publisher is Harvest House Publishers. Mm-hmm. And the second book that I wrote for them, they hired a marketing expert just to talk to me because I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm an evangelist at heart. Uh my, I'm not gifted in marketing. I hate marketing. I don't want to market. I just want to, you know, do my thing. So he met with me and we talked like once a week for six months. I think he did a whole bunch of stuff mentoring me, but he said, you need a brand. You need, you need something that identifies for who you are. And he, he said, are you a Bible teacher? Are you, uh, you know, named a bunch of things. And I said, I'm a mentor. I'm a Titus II woman. It just so happens I'm being allowed to mentor through books and through speaking. So he read some of my stuff and we did a lot of talking and a lot of times I'll say, and if you pursue this life, you'll have no regrets. And I'm certain that they live this life and now they have no regret. And he said, Rhonda, you're the no regrets woman. And I'm like, oh, I am. I am the no regrets woman. So that's, I bought, I got the trademark and my LLC is Rhonda Stoppy No Regrets Woman. Um, And it's a twofold because I help women build no regrets lives, which is based on Jesus saying, the wise man builds his house on the rock and the foolish man builds his house on the sand. And for those that are just starting to build their lives, I want to reach into the younger women's lives, to the younger moms, to the younger wives, to even, you know, anyone who's pursuing following Christ, build your life on the rock. But for those that built on the sand and the storms have come and their house has crumbled, I want to reach into their life and help them not to get stuck in the regret of building on the sand because God still has so much he wants to do through them if they would just lay his feet that regret so that he can wash that away and still do all through them that he's planned to do before the foundations of this world. Well, I'm sure living a life with uh, no regrets doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes or that bad things don't happen to you, right? You think of the apostle Peter. I mean, talk about regret. Like Peter went back fishing. Like, you know what? I'm good at fishing. I'm going to go be the fisherman that I know I'm good at because I already blew it when I told Jesus I wouldn't, you know, deny him. And a lot of people get stuck when they've done, you know, they were living for Jesus or they were in ministry or they did something which they are just like, I cannot believe I failed Christ in that way. I'm just going to go back to what I'm good at. I'm going to go back to my career. I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to what I can find identity in that I don't have to feel ashamed. And they miss what God wants to do through them. And I love how Jesus met uh, Peter on the shore, you know, and we all know that. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Uh, He had a plan for Peter. And here's the interesting thing. He told Peter before he denied him, Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. But Jesus didn't say, but I'm not going to let him. He didn't say that. He said, but I've prayed for you. And when you return. So I, I love knowing that, especially for those of us grandparents, parents that are praying for that prodigal. Uh, follow Jesus' example. Pray for them. Intercede for them. And know uh, there's a young man in our church who was in Steve's youth group years ago. He's our youth pastor now. And he walked the way of a prodigal for many years. And we prayed for him and his mom prayed for him. And when he returned, there's been no stopping him. And he reaches into youth ministry in a way he probably never could have had he not walked the way of a prodigal for that season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is uh, really good stuff, Rhonda. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, grandparenting. How do we become no regrets grandparents? I think the very first thing that we just kind of talked about or touched on is make time for them. And whether you're living in the same town, whether you're local or whether you're at a distance, make time to be with your grandchildren. If it's a Zoom call, if it's you know a phone call, if it's reading them a book online, if it's swinging by their house to bring them some treats from the dollar store, just make time for them. I think it's very easy to let weeks go by, you know, and, and whether where, wherever you find yourself as a grandparent, some are still in a career, uh, some are retired and are traveling, some have health issues and it's difficult to go and be with the kids just because it's chaotic or you physically don't feel up to it, make ways to be with them. I mean, uh, my oldest granddaughter, Kelsey, who lives in uh, Hawaii, she got an Apple Watch for her birthday and she texts me and I text back all the time on that watch. And she sends me pictures of her friends and mm -hmm. shows me the fireworks that she just saw. And she'll say, good night, grandma. I love you. And I'll just, you know, give a little heart, uh, just being in their lives, making time for them so that they understand you're important to me. And I'm going to reach out to you and make sure I know what you're doing, what's going on in your life. And I want to celebrate your accomplishments and cry with you when you're discouraged. I was just going to say, I bet on that, those 80 acres of ranch, you don't have internet at every, uh, every juncture. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's very true. <laughs> yeah, they, they come up here and they play and we, and that was my next point is play with them. Uh, my grandkids were up here the other day. Two of my daughters came up with their kids, which meant that was four, nine children in my house. And very, they're all pretty young. And I have toys that, honestly, this is where I get my toys. My daughters are not hoarders. So they're constantly trying to get rid of when they have too many toys in their house. And I'm like, I'll take them. I'll take them. I'll take them. <laughs> so I have a, you know, a, a hope chest that in this room that has toys in it. And I have baskets in the dining room that have toys in it. And I have dress up clothes upstairs that they can play dress up in. And I have, you know, I kept their mom's prom dresses that they can go put on. Mm. And I just try to make it a place where they can play with each other. Yeah. And I have a, in my bedroom, some special little toys that the little ones can't play with those little Playmobil people. They're real small and they can choke on them. And so one of my granddaughters asked, can I, can I play with the Playmobiles? So she pulled it out and she goes, do you want to play with me? And I really was in the middle of something, but I was like, yeah, I'll play with you. And I sat down and, you know, they just want you to make the little person talk. And I don't know if you've seen the, the YouTube show. It's called, I think it's called Genevieve's Playhouse. It is the craziest show that kids are captivated by. And all it is, is a dad that plays with his daughter's toys and like talks for the little uh, people, makes them climb the ladder and just like, like kids play. And, and everybody's like, why is that such a popular show? I think it's because kids really want grownups to play with them like that. And it's not always fun. I mean, I, I like to play card games with my granddaughter that's older, or I like to do puzzles, but to sit and play and pretend I'm that little person, it takes effort on my part. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, they love it. So I'll do it. And all you have to do it is a few minutes and they're happy. And then usually you're not doing it right and they move on. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've been Thomas the Tank Engine more than once. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
And I've had I've had the daughters in love uh, have to rebuke me, Papa. Now don't don't go there with this. And, and you're playing a little too hard. And are you sure? So I'm one of the little kids too. <laughs> you know the, the the grandkids would like for Grandpa and Grandma to play with them, but uh, sometimes you know the it's the reverse. You know you you want the uh, the grandkids to play with you and but they get preoccupied themselves with crawling off into the corner with their little iPad or whatever and it's sometimes hard to get them to break break free from that so yeah and and, yeah. and depending on if the parents if the parents are not like hey we're at grandma and grandpa's house put your devices away and let's interact <laughs> with real people which is what you would hope would happen but i think we're re- we're in a culture where Gee, it's easier to keep them occupied on their iPad. They're not breaking grandma's stuff. Then they're not, I'm not having to worry about them getting into something they shouldn't get into. And and I'm going to be honest for you that are grandparents. I have a house that I pretty much have out everything that I don't care if they break it. I don't care. I mean, they know don't touch Nana's desk with my computer. It's in the living room. And so they try to, you know, I try to keep them off of that. Um, And their moms are good about helping them not be destructive, but having your house be a place where the moms aren't having to walk on eggshells to make sure the kids don't ruin anything. Uh, I don't know. I, I I was raised, I love my mom dearly. Um, Our house was perfect. We grew up in a perfect house. My mom vacuumed every day. She raked that shag carpeting every day. I, I didn't bring friends home because it was, we would mess it up and it was too stressful. So my friends, we went to someone else's house because it was just too hard to entertain friends at my house with my mom. Now, my mom was raised by two alcoholics um, and she that was her coping mechanism was that's what she could control was her home. I led my mom to the Lord six months before she passed away. Praise the Lord. Mm. And she was a great mom. But I, I don't ever want my home to be a place where my grandkids feel like they have to kind of walk on eggshells or, or they might break something. Now, funny story, we were here the other day and Ruby, my three-year-old granddaughter, who is just a ball of energy, they were upstairs trying on dress up clothes and I have their mom's wedding gowns up there and all that fun stuff. And Ruby came down in one of my beaded gowns that I keep up high in a closet. I don't even know how she got to it. And I only wear it like if we go on a cruise and there's that formal night, you know, but it's like, it was like a $500 gown that I bought a decade ago that I just, that's what it's for. And here comes Ruby in the bright red ball gown with the beads all over it. And she comes downstairs so proud and so excited. I'm like, oh, Ruru, you look so pretty in Nana's very expensive ball gown. Look how pretty you look. I go, how about you just don't eat anything in Nana's pretty dress, okay? And then her mom stepped in and said, let's go find you a different pretty dress. But anyway, all that to say, just rarely, I want this to be a place where they can enjoy and not have to be so concerned that they're going to break something or they're going to spill something. Uh, Let kids be kids. And uh, yeah, so. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, and you try to hide stuff, but it's to no (laughs) avail. They'll find it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's true. We had the two uh, so, finger rule. The two finger rule was, oh, come and touch it. Use two fingers and touch it. You know, the more delicate stuff. But yeah, 
but it's we did hard that to too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we did that when my kids were growing up. And, and that's the flip side. When my kids were growing up, I kept breakable things in my house. I wanted them to learn. We did one finger touch, but the same thing. I wanted them to learn there are things that you're not allowed to touch and you're going to respect other people's property so that when I took them to someone else's house, I wasn't on eggshells because they were going to break something. They knew the one finger touch rule. But I feel like grandma's house, mom's house, it's a different world. And, <laughs> and Wayne did the three finger touch. Wayne did the three <laughs> finger touch. Sorry. Okay, so grandparents, uh, uh, it's it's intentionally making time for your grandkids, playing with your grandkids, uh, making sure your house is a grandkid friendly place. Any other tips on being a no no regrets grandparent? Sure. Um, you know what? Tell them your stories. Uh, I I feel like it's important for our grandkids to know our stories. And my oldest granddaughter, Karis will oftentimes say, Nana, tell me a story about when you were young or tell me a story. Tell me that story again about that one thing that you told me about before. She wants to hear those stories over and over again. And uh, it's interesting. My sister passed away last July and she passed away from an overdose and she had been addicted to prescription medications for years. And it was a difficult season for our family. It was very heartbreaking you got the call you kind of always thought you might get one day, but hoped you wouldn't. And uh, Karis was old enough to know what that loss was like. And she wanted to know stories of my sister and I growing up together in a Christian home, going to Christian schools, learning the same things and wanting to know what happened. Why did she not follow Jesus? And it was a wonderful opportunity, even through my sorrow and my own grief, to share with Karis, sweetheart, there's nothing different about Nana than about my sister, except that Jesus saved me. And I'm not the good sister who chose well. I'm the sister who chose Jesus. And because of Christ in me, the hope of glory, he took me down a path that was not a path of destruction. So even those hard stories that, you know, you could I don't want to talk about it right now. I don't feel like bringing that up right now, but what a wonderful way, you know, Jesus was a storyteller and he used things going on in present day to weave those biblical principles into the hearts and minds of listeners. And we can do that with our grandchildren. We can talk about stories from our highs and from our lows. I don't know that we have to dump all of our sin on them and let them know all the stuff that we've, you know, regret doing, but I do think we can be genuine and we can be real. And we can let them know over and over again, coming back to the reality, it's because of Jesus. In fact, again, my dad was just here and he said, I can't tell you how many times I thank God that he saved me because I know the husband and dad I would have been. I know the man I would have been without Christ. Uh, what if that's our legacy? What if that's what we pass on to our grandchildren? It's not, you know, religious people that did religious things. People walk away from re religion. They rebel against religion. But when they see somebody who's so grateful for their salvation and they understand the hope they have in their life because of Christ in them, that is a light that can shine, that can glorify God and draw them to want to know our Savior, too, and to give them real hope and not be like, oh, my grandma was a religious lady. It was it was OK for her, but it's not it's not for me being able to say if if it's not for you, you're going to follow a path of destruction. But because of Christ, you will see joy and peace and unity in your family and in your home.
Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, uh, we want to tell our grandkids our stories. In fact, you know, that is the theme of our Legacy Grandparenting Summit that's coming up in October. And uh, we're going to try to give uh, grandparents uh, right. some tools so that they can tell their stories better to their grandkids mm -hmm. and also to help our grandkids understand that our story is all part of a much bigger story, part of, uh, mm -hmm. of God's big story, and that their stories can be part of that story as well. Yes. Another point, uh, grandparenting without regrets, is to honor their parents. So the parents of your grandkids, if mom and dad don't want you giving them all that sugar, don't give them all that sugar. Ask permission before you do it. And we give sugar at Nana and Papa's house. We, But my kids will come spend the night and the grandkids get up super early with my husband and the mom and dad get to sleep in. So he's like, if they get up with Papa, I'm giving them lucky charms. And they're like, that's fine. We just want to sleep. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. But uh, honoring their and uplifting their parents and saying, we, you know, I always say Nana obeys mommy and daddy too. So if mama says no, Nana has to obey mama. That's good. Maybe uh, there should be another commandment, you know, honor your grandkids, mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's implied. <laughs> um, Rodney, you know, you do a lot of uh, marriage and, and uh, parenting uh, seminars and you've written books on it. And um, one of your topics that I noticed is uh, parenting children during troubled times. Is that that's the term you use, right? It's troubled times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would you say mm -hmm. to those of us who are grandparenting uh, grandkids during troubled times? Are there are mm. are there some principles there that that would apply? Yeah, I think the first thing that would come to mind is um, your trial may not be about you at all. God uses trials to mold our character, but he also uses trials to validate our testimony. So when I walk through a trial and I am fighting for joy, because Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If I am choosing to trust that the Lord is in control, even when this is out of control, if I am asking him to give me his peace that surpasses understanding in the midst of turmoil, as I live like that, that validates my testimony that what I say I believe, I really believe. And it's really true. An example of that as a mom, when my son Brandon was six years old, he began having uh, seizures. We had just moved to Austin, Texas, and uh, he had a severe seizure that lasted 28 minutes. And his uh, long story, but he ended up being diagnosed with epilepsy. His medication was so strong. Uh, he took it three times a day. It kept him so sedated. He didn't want to play sports. He didn't want to play. He played Legos and he picked up a guitar and he learned to play the guitar. And it was discouraging watching him. He was on special ed at school because he was in a fog most of the time because of the medication. And when he... Uh, one night, Steve thought I gave him his dose, and I thought Steve gave him his dose. We had youth group at the house, 200 teenagers in our home every Wednesday night, and uh, he went to bed and he had a severe seizure because he missed one dose of medication. So we knew, we called the neurologist, and they said, that's evidence his seizure activity is still very severe. And that was after four years of medication with this little boy, and it had definitely changed his personality, and that threw me. And I went in my room and I cried and I said, I quit. 
We're leading these kids to Christ. We're serving you and you cannot heal my son. I'm done. But you know, the word of God, if it's in you, you won't sin against him. And at that moment, not an audible voice, but the still small voice of the spirit whispered to my heart in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I said, no, I don't know how, but I know you're good. And I know that you can make good of this and I will trust you. And I will say thank you with my lips, but my heart is far from that. But I, you can drag me through the thankful doors and I will follow you. So as time went on, we had band practice at our house every Wednesday night after youth group because we met in a school on Sundays, but everything else took place in our home. And what we started noticing was that Brandon was learning all of the instruments. Sorry, we have peacocks and it's screaming right now. There's nothing I can do about that. Not a child screaming. And and Brandon was learning all of the different instruments from all of the different people in the band. And slowly we realized that Brandon was becoming a musician. And Brandon grew up and he went to school and he studied biblical studies and music and he is a worship pastor now. But in that moment, I was discouraged because I wanted to hear the crowd glory in my son's accomplishments as an athlete. And God had a plan to take me out of the picture, to mold my son, Brandon, to be a musician who would grow up to bring the crowd to glory in his son's accomplishments through worship. But what if I'd have quit? What if I had said, I'm done, I'm out of there? I would have come back. I mean, God says, you can't, you're not going to pluck yourself out of his hand. And I would have repented and I would have had regrets and I would have come back and I would have followed Christ. But at what cost? Because my kids, sometimes your trial is not about you. Your testimony is validated in those trials when you press in and you say, I hate this and I don't know how God can make sense of this, but I know he's good and I'm going to trust him. Ten years later, my daughter Meredith had a special needs daughter named Ivy. And I remember going to Meredith and and, uh, Jake lived on campus at the master's university. He was going to seminary and they worked. He was an RD on campus. And I went to visit them after Ivy was born. And I said, how are you doing? And Meredith said, you know, there's doctor's visits, there's surgeries. There's a lot of things involved with golden heart syndrome. And Meredith said, mom, this is Ivy's trial. And God has invited us to prepare Ivy for this trial. Now, when I was on my knees, ready to quit, Meredith was in junior high, early high school years. Had I, did I, I didn't know that God was preparing Meredith to walk through a trial with her own child with special needs a decade later. So I hope that answers your question. It's a long story <laughs> to say maybe yeah. your trial is not about you. It will validate your testimony and give a legacy to the next generation to know how to walk through trials. Well, that's great. Rhonda, your, your breakout session at the summit is, uh, is titled, 10 things that your grandkids need to hear from you. Can you give us a preview? Maybe just one of those things. Yes. Um, I'm pulling up. That was an article I wrote for crosswalk.com and it was their number one or one of the highest Mm -hmm. ones articles that year. So I think it was one that really wanted to be listened to. Um, I'm trying to read, I'm going to choose one. And uh, there's, how about this? Loving God is the secret to loving others. You know, when the Pharisees and the religious leaders asked Jesus, what is protos? What is the priority of life? He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We try real hard to love our neighbor as ourself without loving God with all of our being first. 
the secret is God says, fall in love with me, with my character. I've revealed my character to you through the pages of scripture. If we're not washing our mind with the word, if we're not uh, picking out God's character through the names that he's given us of his own character qualities through scripture, how can you fall in love with someone that you don't know? You can't. You can fall in love with someone that someone tells you about them, but the depth of that love is not going to be between you and God. As we press into falling in love with God, with all of our heart, that's our emotions, with all of our soul, that's what makes you, you. With our mind is our thoughts, with our strength is with what we do. We jump in and say, I'm going to love God with all I do. And God's like, slow down, Skippy. Fall in love with me with your whole being, and then I will do through you exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. And when we're loving God properly, then his agape love will spill out of us onto our family, onto our spouse, onto our children, onto this world. And it's a love that is selfless. It is a love that is more concerned about sharing the gospel with the world than we are being angry with the world that they're blind. So that would probably be the the number one thing that I would say. I want my grandkids to say about this crazy lady when she's gone, she loved God and she loved people. That's good. That's great. Well, that's number nine more. You'll have to, we'll have to wait until October. So (laughs) yes, can't wait. Before we uh, wrap things up, uh, let me remind everybody that registration is now open for the 2022 Legacy Grandparenting Summit in October. And our speakers include not only Rhonda Stoppe, but uh, Jim Burns, Ann Graham Lotz, Tim and Darcy Kimmel, Miles McPherson, John Stone Street, Rob Reno, Michelle Anthony, Gordon McDonald, Crawford Loritz. 22, actually, 22 in all. Mark the dates on your calendar, October 20th and 21st, and join us either at Crosswater Church in Ponte Vedra Beach near Jacksonville, Florida, or at a simulcast location near you. Details are on our website at LegacyCoalition.com slash summit. So uh, anything else, John, that we need to engineer no it's been very very enlightening uh very good reminders Rhonda. we're looking forward to hearing you and and having you minister to our people i am looking forward to being there i'm excited about it Rhonda, how can our listeners get more information about your ministry and your resources visit my website noregretswoman.com there's lots of free resources there's videos Uh, There's a free marriage video workshop on there that my husband and I teach together. uh, And you can find all my social media links on there as well. Thanks again to Rhonda Stoppe for being our guest today. And uh, that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.